Radio Drone. Bee whoop, bee whoop. It is episode 63 of Radio Drome. Brad is sitting out again because the snob movie is literally killing the poor man. You people and demanding your snob movie crap. With me this week, as you just heard him giggle like a little girl, is Alex Jowski from Geek Juice Media. And despite what his microphone sounds like, he's not recording this from a bathroom. Nope. Because we just had a big fight before the, the show about his microphone. I swear I'm hearing this little metallic twinge after it, and he says he can't hear it, so we'll let you guys decide if you can hear it if I can't remove it in post. Otherwise, people will deal with it. Ooh, sort of like a threat. It Mis- was a, a, a threat I can't back up, though. Mr. Geek Juice Media, when you're going to buy porn on the Internet, where do you go? I go to adamandeve.com, of course. And what do you buy there? Porn. All right, that kind of goes without saying. When you do it, though, did you know you can get a great deal if you use the promo code DROME? You get D-R-O-M-E. Or you can bend over and write D-R on one cheek, M-E on the other, and the O takes care of itself. What do I get for this promo code? You get 50% off the one single item that you buy. They'll also throw in free shipping in the U.S., three free DVDs, plus a free mystery gift just to top it all off. Can you get But I bet Geek Juice can't do a promo like that, can it? Well, no, we can't. Probably because you're but not I a will. porn site. <laughs> yeah, we're not a porn site, that's why. Picky, picky, picky. Tonight's topic is going to be plagiarism in the movies. Now, I was on Alex's show a couple of weeks ago at Geek Juice Radio. The topic was also plagiarism. I'm not going to spend too much time going into Quentin Tarantino because I railed really hard against him. And by the way, it's all factual for all you Tarantino lovers who want to overlook the fact that he's a blatant thief. Movies like Reservoir Dogs is a shot-for-shot remake of Ringo Lamb's obscure City on Fire. Same plot twists, same characters, same action, same everything, except Tarantino's movie has better camera movement and better dialogue. Tarantino's always done this, and I equated this on the show. Tarantino does the same thing Setzer and Freeberg do in their epic movies, disaster movie, where he he's constantly referencing something that there's nothing original in his films because everything is a reference to something else with a nudge-nudge, wink-wink. Although Tarantino does it a thousand times better than Setzer and Friedberg. I agree with that, but I just hate these people that... Oh, Tarantino's the most original filmmaker out there. No, he's not. When 95% of the dialogue in your movie is referencing another movie or another dozen movies, that's not brilliant dialogue. It's, oh, it's more than referencing. He just outright steals the dialogue. And I also talked about the whole theft of the Terminator, how, for those that don't know, James Cameron blatantly stole it from an author named Harlan Ellison from his two Outer Limits episodes, Demon with a Glass Hand and the Soldier, and his book, I have no mouth and I must scream. You put all three of those things together, which were all written in the 60s, and you've got the Terminator. And James Cameron outright said he he's never he never stole from this guy, even though all these elements were from one specific author. They were able to prove in court, yeah, Cameron did this. And then he tried to cover it up, which made it worse. What is your opinion, Alex, on what I'm going to term industrialized plagiarism in the movie business. I don't like plagiarism. If somebody is making a reference or a nod to something else, an homage, as long as they're acknowledging this is a reference to this other work, that's not plagiarism. But if they're just outright stealing, 
then I can't get behind that. That's why I'm not a fan of Tarantino, because he won't admit that he steals. And, and he does steal. Going back to Harlan Ellison, he sued ABC Television in, I think it was 1980, for stealing an idea of his called Future Cop that he pitched to them. They changed one, well, kind of major element of it. Basically, he pitched them a show about a guy with a robot partner, and he wanted it to be a little R2-D2-E type robot. And they said, no, 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 let's just make the partner human. He said, no, I don't want any part of that. So they went and made the show anyway with an android partner to the human and they even used most of his script and then said we've we've never talked to this ellison guy and he was able to prove it in court and one of the defenses abc had in court was what's the big deal everybody in hollywood steals from everybody else that's what i call industrialized plagiarism if that's their defense yeah that is that's wrong but but that's that's the problem with all of hollywood don't you think alex that it's so industrialized, nobody even thinks it's wrong. I mean, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, especially with James Cameron, he probably didn't even realize he was stealing the Terminator. He probably remembered, oh, I saw this old Outer Limits episode, which was cool, and this other Outer Limits episode, which was cool, and I read this book when I was in high school, which was cool, and I'm going to put all those elements into a movie. He probably didn't even realize he was stealing. Oh, there was – I sometimes do stand-up comedy with Charlie, and I'd written this one, and it felt familiar to me. And I had to ask Charlie, I'm like, why does this joke sound so familiar? And he's like, another comedian did that same joke last week. And you didn't even realize you were taking it, I didn't it, even did realize I was taking it, but I'm glad Charlie stopped me before I could be called a plagiarist. Well, and, and then it's another thing. With, like, Cameron, if he had just admitted, okay, maybe I was influenced by this – by Harlan Ellison. Maybe I was a, a big fan of his. Instead – he had Hemdale, the company that made the Terminator, go and try and bury everything. He'd given an interview to Starlog magazine where he mentioned he was inspired by a couple of Outer Limits episodes, had them remove that from the interview, not realizing that Ellison also worked for Starlog, so he was able to get the original unedited interview and the original audio of it. And it, the, the cover-up did more damage. If, if he had just admitted, you know what, I might have accidentally been influenced by this guy and I'd like to give him his credit. It wouldn't have been a big deal. But he said, no, I wrote this goddamn thing, and no one else is taking my credit away from me. And that yeah, was the problem. Like the fact that, as you pointed out when you were on Geek Juice, that um, Cameron won't let that credit stay at the end of Terminator about the thanking Harlan Ellison. Well, he has to now legally, but in the early days of its VHS and HBO release, he kept having the credit removed or like buried in the middle of the best boy in the caterer's credits halfway through the credit sequence so nobody would see it because he was so ashamed of having to share a creation credit with Ellison. Interesting thing you came across about plagiarism, though. I watched Fistful of Dollars this week. Everyone acknowledges it as a remake of Yojimbo. But it wasn't because Sergio Leone got sued for plagiarism by Kurosawa and lost. Well, well, and then you also have The Magnificent Seven is really a remake of The Seven Samurai and a not official one. And then to go even a step further, Battle Beyond the Stars is a remake of Magnificent Seven set in space. Interesting thing, though, about the, um, the Fistful of Dollars stuff, though, is that everyone has acknowledged that it's inspired by the Dashiell Hammett novel, Red Harvest. And I got into a debate where they're like, it's based on this novel. I'm like, if it was based on the novel, they could have got it out of the plagiarism lawsuit by saying, oh, no, I didn't copy your movie. I based it on this book. Well, and then you also have to deal with 
there are things like To Live and Die in L.A., which Brad and I talked about last week. The look, the, the specific look that was used, I'm not going to say it was influenced by Miami Vice, but it was very stylistically the same. NBC Television uh-huh. tried to sue William Friedkin for ripping off Miami Vice until Michael Mann, one of the creators of Miami Vice, said, uh, Friedkin and I are friends. We talked about this. There's, there's no, he didn't steal this. And, and by the way, you can't trademark a style, I don't think, of filmmaking, can you? No. But, but I, I don't, that's not plagiarism. I mean, to me, look at, look at Avatar. Avatar, everyone's made this joke because it's an apt joke. Avatar is Dances with Wolves in Space. It's the exact same story set in space. Is that not, not plagiaristic? A, not a fan of Dances with Wolves, but it's still a better movie than Avatar was. And it is the exact same movie. That's the, that's what I'm talking about, the industrialized plagiarism. Everybody steals from everybody else. That's why, if if any of you out there, say you have a great script idea, and you want to send it to William Friedkin or James Cameron or somebody like that, you're going to get cock-blocked by, the, by their agent for a very legitimate reason. Let's say you send that to their house, okay? And it's a really cool, very original idea. And you send it to them, they read it and go, oh, crap. They were working on something similar, completely unrelated to you. All of a sudden, they go and make their movie. Now they can go, well, I sent him that idea. He ripped me off. The agents are there to protect these, the, the creative people. So that's why just anybody can't walk up to someone like Cameron and give them an idea for a movie. That's why you have to go through an agent to get the script, to sell the script, to get the script to them, because then you have a paper trail that says, if I pitch this idea to you, and I turn it down and I go and make it anyway on my own, you can sue my ass off. Which is basically what J. Michael Straczynski said Deep Space Nine was, which I don't agree, but basically he says he pitched Paramount Babylon 5 about a space station the edge of the galaxy, people that don't get along, alien territory, it's falling apart, the warp gate, the wormhole, and and they turned him down, and then they basically went and made Deep Space Nine, which he says was Babylon was the, the pitch he made of Babylon 5. I disagree with that, and Paramount has proven that while he did pitch it to them, they had already started production, pre-production on Deep Space Nine before Straczynski's meeting. That was one of those where I honestly consider it Two people had the same idea at the same time. Which does happen. Independent of one another. Right, it does happen, yes. Like Chronicle just came out. I had years ago written a screenplay that's very simple Chronicle. Now, I never pitched it or sold it to anybody. It's absolute coincidence that that movie is pretty similar to the script I wrote. I'm not going to go out and sue them for it, though. When I was in high school, which was 89 to 93, I don't remember which year I wrote it, probably in 90 or 91, I wrote a short story about a serial killer that only kills other serial killers because they're the ultimate prey. I wrote that in 90 or 91, and then I see Dexter and I go, okay, that was basically the short story I wrote. Am I going to go suing over it? No. First of all, there's I never showed that story to anybody. There's no way anybody that makes Dexter saw that or the author of the novel. But it's just one of those things... He came up with a similar idea to what I came up with in 1990. And they did a good job with it. Dexter's a good show. It is. But I wrote a story about a serial killer that hunts serial killers. You could go, well, you're describing Dexter. Kinda. 
Similar ideas independent of one another really do happen. I don't think it happens enough to be the explanation of why Volcano comes out at the same time Dante's Peak comes out. Armageddon comes out at the same time Deep Impact comes out. That Ants comes out at the same time A Bug's Life comes out. That's, yeah, that's just marketing. Well, I think that's more theft. Whichever one, let's say Ants A Bug's Life, let's say Ants was in production first, and the other studio went, we can get ours out faster, let's quick, let's quick make one of those. That's exactly what Asylum does. Right, but Asylum, weirdly enough, they are plagiaristic outright to the point where they actually have gotten sued for some of their their posters. You might notice that the original DVD releases of a couple of their movies had to be recalled and rejiggered because they were literally fooling people into thinking that it was the big budget movie because they the poster was you know the faces on the poster were the only thing that were different. Otherwise, Transmorphers, Transformers, and it has the ex- almost the exact same poster with different people on it. You kind of go. Yeah, you're really dancing on the line of the difference between free speech and you're just f***ing copying us. Yeah, but because what Asylum does, I read an interview with them once, the guy that runs it, that um, David Michael Latt, or Layet, or however it's pronounced, and he was saying they'll go through and see what's coming out in the next year and which movies they believe will be huge blockbusters, and they'll plan their, their production schedule accordingly. Which is, that's a really base and very unoriginal and lackluster and kind of borderline sleazy approach to filmmaking. To be honest, you and I are big fans of Roger Corman, and he's been doing that since the 60s, hasn't he? Oh, yes. So, I mean, you know, we can't talk too much without somebody throwing in our face, well, Josh, one of your favorite movies is Galaxy of Terror. Hardly an original movie in and of itself. Although I still laugh my ass off whenever I see somebody rent an Asylum film or one of the other similar companies' knockoff versions, thinking it's the real version. Okay, but look at it like this. Can you really blame them for sometimes being fooled? Look at the cover art for Alien vs. Hunter, and then look at the cover art for Alien vs. Predator Requiem. They're the same damn art. Same colors. Same shading, same placement of the faces. You could easily, just looking on the shelf, maybe you got a kid bugging you or you're in a hurry, easily be fooled into thinking you're getting an Alien vs. Predator movie. My daughter insisted that this Puss in Boots movie in the Red Box was the one that was coming out in theaters. And despite however I told her, no, this is a fake movie, I still had to rent it. Uh, another one of those is, look at, the, look at the poster art for I Am Legend and I Am Omega. They're the same damn poster, basically. I think instead of a gun on the cover, I am Omega, he has a sword or something. That's just not a way... You're not a real filmmaker when your entire filmography is ripping off somebody else. At least with Corman and all of the New World, New Horizon stuff, they put an original enough spin on everything that you go, okay, this is clearly influenced by Star Wars. This is clearly influenced by Alien, clearly influenced by the Road Warrior, but the characters and plot are quite different. So I don't consider that as much plagiaristic as riding a wave. It's not so much he's going, let's rip this off. And and by the way, that's the definition I make. There's plagiarism, and then there's a ripoff. A ripoff is, to me, something that's trying to capitalize on something else. Look Which at this, is what Hollywood does best. 
right, and then it gets really sleazy, not plagiaristic, but outright marketing nonsense. Those of you out there who have the movie Near Dark on DVD or VHS or Laserdisc, go look at the cover art. Now, go look at the DVD that's being sold after Twilight got popular. And you tell me that is not the damn near poster of one of the Twilight movies with the Near Dark characters in it. They want to fool you into thinking the movie is something else, which is what a ripoff does. Whereas near Dark is nowhere near Twilight. No, because it's actually good. Even story-wise, the only thing they have in common is there's a vampire. Well, there's kind of a love story. But what it comes down to is that, to me, is not plagiarism. That's rip-off. And to me, rip-off is a topic for another time. That's not what I want to talk about tonight. Tonight is about plagiarism. The people who steal and pretend that they're not stealing. That, to me, is a worse crime than a rip-off. With a Roger Corman movie... You know, when he was really cranking the, the Star Wars and Alien knockoffs and Road Warrior knockoffs in the early 80s, you knew what you were getting, but you knew it was going to be different enough that you were not getting Star Wars, that you were getting something clearly, that you were getting a different take on something like Star Wars. Whereas someone like Tarantino says, oh, I love Star Wars. I basically want to remake it, and I'll just change the dialogue. That's what I don't like. For instance, Death Proof. Death Proof, he calls it an homage to those kinds of grindhouse pictures. It's not. It's basically Vanishing Point done with chicks. It's more or less the same damn movie, and they even keep referencing how Vanishing Point is their favorite movie, which is, I think, how Tarantino absolves himself of this is not a ripoff because I'm referencing it, so that makes it an homage. You can only take homage so far, and Quentin Tarantino takes it to the point of plagiarism. Obviously, there's not going to be a specific point where you go, okay, that stops being homage and it starts being plagiaristic. The point of homage is sort of a nudge-nudge, wink-wink, such as, and I know you're going to have a problem with this, the scene in Jackie Brown where Pam Greer is singing the same song that she sung in one of her Women in Prison movies. That, to me, that was homage. That was kind of in-jokey, and it only went on for about a minute. Now, if he'd continued and had her doing the same thing she did in the Woman in Prison movie, that would have become, okay, now we're getting plagiaristic here. If he was to start remaking Big Dollhouse in the middle of that movie. Right, so to me, there is a difference between homage and plagiarism, such as Brian De Palma likes to think He's an homage to Alfred Hitchcock. In fact, he outright steals from Alfred Hitchcock. There's there's a difference that some people don't realize between homage and theft. I became acquainted with De Palma's work long before I came acquainted with Hitchcock's, and I thought De Palma was original until I went and watched Hitchcock. Right, and you just see he's Hitchcock Jr. He he he's you know he's Lex Luthor too from the 1980s. He's he got Hitchcock's brain put into his body. He thinks he's Hitchcock, and De Palma's not. No, he's not. You said you researched some stuff on plagiarism. What kind of stuff did you find for plagiarism in Hollywood? Well, big thing was the the Fistful of Dollars, the Jimbo thing. The way they remake a lot of... Remember when The Ring came out? The, and it turned in... The, 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 the Naomi Watts ring? Yes. And then it started a huge fad of, let's remake all of these Japanese horror films. They never say that it's a remake. Right. I mean, you look at, like, The Grudge, and you go, oh, 
There was, an, there was a Japanese version? Now, to be fair, that's not plagiaristic because they legally went and got the rights. It's deceitful. Yes. It's sleazy, did. but it's that's not plagiarism because they were doing a an official remake, whereas like Reservoir Dogs is an unofficial remake of City on Fire. It's the same goddamn movie, but Tarantino had the balls to not even not ask permission to remake it claim he's never even seen City on Fire. That's not one of those cases where, oh, two people came up with the same movie independently. No, they didn't. Tarantino stole that goddamn movie. And keep in mind, I think Reservoir Dogs is a great film. So for all my Tarantino bashing, his version is far superior to City on Fire. And if he'd have just said, yes, it's an unofficial remake, I'd have, I'd have shut up about all this. Yeah, if he had just said. You know, and then it, what, it, what it comes down to is, it is so industrialized, I really do think a lot of these people don't believe that they're stealing. For instance, uh, again, I'm a, big, I'm a big fan of Harlan Ellison, so I'm going to tell you a story of when he worked for, I think it was Irwin Allen. I might get, I might have gotten the producer wrong in the 60s. He was pitching them an idea for, I think it was Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea. And they didn't like it. They pulled out a copy of Amazing Stories, the old uh, pulp magazine. And they said, go through this. Find a story you like, and then we'll make that into an episode. And he goes, so you're going to contact the author? They're like, no, we just change enough that we can't get sued. That's the way. And you got to remember, Irwin Allen was a big-time TV producer, and that was his attitude. Find a story you like, we'll change enough to not get sued, and then we make it, and then it's ours. These people think nothing of stealing. They just steal and steal and steal, and, and then they write a check after the fact. Because it's cheaper to... Uh, the same thing happened back in comic books. You remember EC Comics, right? Weird Science, Tales from yes, the Crypt? Yes, I loved EC Comics. Ray Bradbury wrote... Well, okay, Ray Bradbury, in quotes, wrote for them for a while. Problem is, they never got the rights to his stories. They didn't put his name on them, and they adapted a bunch of his stories. And Ray Bradbury, being a very classy guy, called up William Gaines at one point and said... It's funny, I've seen a couple of my stories in Weird Science, and you seem to have forgot to send me a check for those. William Gaines, the, oh, okay, you caught us, sent him a check, and then said, okay, now that we're talking, can we legally get the rights to a couple of more? And, and Bradbury began working for EC officially then, because he caught them plagiarizing from him, and he handled it in probably the classiest way possible. You guys forgot to pay me, right? Yeah, he didn't, like, drag it out in court and name-calling. Yeah, that was a classy-ass way to handle that, that, that issue. And that's what, it, that's what I'm talking about. That it's so industrialized, everybody does it. That's what I think we need to stop. Everybody does it. Now, it's one thing if you're influenced by something. Obviously, when Star Wars hit, everything was influenced by Star Wars. Every studio, yeah. big, small, I mean, how many Star Wars knockoffs came out in that first five years between 77 and 82? I mean, there was probably 70 films that were directly influenced by Star Wars. How many of them actually outright stole, and, and, which is kind of ironic since Star Wars is basically, you know, a bunch of Japanese old serials and all that. But the, 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 that's a whole other thing. That George Lucas, I think George Lucas is in the same category as Quentin Tarantino where... He calls it homage when you look at some of those old serials that he loved so much, and then you look at Raiders of the Lost Ark, and you go, 
wow, he remade some of these shot for damn shot. And he's still calling that homage. Actually, um, the first Star Wars, New Hope, very, very similar to Kurosawa's film Hidden Fortress. Okay, I couldn't remember the name. Thank you for – that's why I was kind of dancing around the whole Japanese something because I couldn't remember. I remember it was Kurosawa something, but okay, thank you for remembering the real name. Yes, it was the Hidden Fortress. And people called him out on it, but at least Lucas was able to say, yes, I was inspired by this movie, unlike Tarantino, who would just said, oh, that's a, I've never heard of that. Yeah, and Tarantino actually had the quote on MTV News where he said, wow, this city on fire seems like a good film. I hope to see it someday. That's just yeah. more of, wow, you're being a douchebag. You're being a real douche nozzle about this, QT. Just yeah. admit it. When you, when you get caught, admit it. I mean, like, I make lots of jokes on Lost in the Static, What the F***, and on this show. And whenever possible, I try to attribute them, I heard this from Bill Hicks. This is a, a this is me going over a George Carlin joke, things like that. I mean, yes, obviously I'm going to miss a couple, when it, especially in the heat of the moment. But I try and credit where I take my jokes from if I'm knowingly taking a joke from a stand-up comic. And there are people that don't. That's the problem. Another big one was Ghostbusters. After that came out, Remember how many Ghostbusters knockoffs there were? Countless. <laughs> but how many of them actually stole plot elements from Ghostbusters? Because I think by that point, it was by the studio's way of thinking, past the change just enough to not get sued, change just enough that the critics might not notice it's the same movie. Because at that point, yeah. I mean, let's face it, Alex, nowadays... A critical, a critical bashing of your movie, it's not going to really stop the box office. In 1984, no. yeah, the critics totally shredding your film, that's going to affect the box office final numbers. So I think some of that was to appease the critics, and others were, you know, to to just screw them. And then you know, look at the slasher genre. After Halloween, the slasher genre was born, but none of them actually copied Halloween. So to to me, there really is a difference between plagiarism and inspired by. Yeah, and most of Hollywood nowadays is based on inspired by because they just keep making the same movies over. I'm not talking about remakes. I'm talking if one movie makes a profit, they will make 50 clones of it. Well, do you remember that trailer park that we did? That uh, that I can't remember the name of the movie. That Mark Wahlberg movie that just came out and vanished because it was terrible? that it was basically the exact same story as Affleck's The Town? I mean, as you're watching this trailer, you go, so they've remade The Town already with Mark Wahlberg? It's the same story with the same plot twist, with the same basic characters with different names, and you go, how unoriginal are you people? I remember that movie. I don't remember what it was called. It was for Trailer Park that I watched that trailer. Yeah, and and I wasn't the only one. Every single one of us brought up the whole... This is just like The Town by Affleck. Yeah. It's like it's the same f***ing movie. Or that Australian version of Red Dawn. Yeah. All of us made that joke because literally it is Red Dawn set in Australia. Now that, I don't know if I would call the movie plagiaristic because it's supposedly based off of a book series. I would say the book series would be the plagiarist in that aspect if the movie is accurate to the books. Although I'm a fan of that Hunger Games book, just the first book, though, it is clearly 
inspired by Battle Royale and the likes and the Running Man and stuff. The Running Man the movie or the Running Man the actual story, which the movie had almost nothing to do with? The actual story. Okay, I, I love the story, the movie. I, I, I really do love the Running Man, but not on the same level because to me that's a really horrible adaptation of a really good story. It's a fun movie on its own. And if you know it's fun, and then when you read the story, you kind of go, "Wow, they lost all the." I mean, there's social commentary, but they lost all the societal context that the book had. And then you also have, uh, do you remember In Time, the one that came out six months ago, maybe? Oh, you mean Logan's Run? I mean, the have, one with I know what you mean. Yeah, with, no, with no, Justin no, Timberlake. I, uh, I, no, I, I, got, I get, I get the reference you're making because there's definitely <laughs> Logan's Run influence there. What I was going to say, going back to Harlan Ellison, I don't mean to make this a Harlan Ellison show, but I'm a big fan. Harlan considered suing them because he wrote a story called Repent, Harlequin, said the TikTok man, which was about a society ruled by time and you use time to pay for things and you you had time taken off. And when you're t- it was like, wow, I mean, his wasn't really an action story, but you kind of go, I really see the framework in this in time movie of repent Harlequin said the TikTok man that the frameworks here. And they said, instead of making it a thought piece about social norms, let's make it an action movie. Yeah. But he actually had his lawyer look into, Hey, they might've ripped me off again. That's another thing is that they change the, the genre, but keep the story. Like they'll take a thought piece, turn it into an action film or with the case of Australian red Dawn, let's take, this action film and turn it into a teen film, a teen angst movie, even even more. Trends are one thing. Look at look at the the trend that uh, Twilight started, but look at all the Twilight ripoffs that are out there. I can't believe oh, I, I, I I can't believe I'm actually feeling bad for the Twilight people that they're getting ripped off. But again, they're falling prey to the industrialized plagiarism. In Hollywood, there's nothing original left. No one wants to make anything original. I've read from different filmmakers that they would pitch an original ideas. Hey, how about we do this? And nobody's ever seen this. And, and this is totally new. And the studio would be, I don't know. It's kind of risky. Can't you just remake an old movie from the 60s? That's the yep. philosophy they have. That's why independent filmmaking has been on the rise for years since the 90s is because somebody's like, well, I want to make something original and the studios don't want anything original. So I guess I got to make it on my own. Speaking of outright ripoffs, one of my favorite movies of all time, The Visitor. It starts off as an Omen ripoff, then becomes an Exorcist ripoff, then becomes a Close Encounters of the Third Kind ripoff, and then goes back to an Omen ripoff all in one film. That's more than heavily inspired by it. It blatantly steals whole scenes and yet somehow makes it work in a way that I love that film. But I'm, I don't love it so much that I can't see, yeah, the film's kind of plagiaristic here. It's not like Tarantino where his fans, and I know, as soon as this gets posted to Brad's site, they're all going to go, oh, Josh, you just hate Tarantino, you hate Lucas, and you're looking for any excuse to bitch about them. And I'm going, no, I'm asking all of you naysayers out there to stop saying nay and look at their work on a critical, emotionless level. And you watch City on Fire, and then you watch Reservoir Dogs, and you tell me they're not the exact goddamn movie. But the thing is, Reservoir Dogs... Yeah, it's a blatant plagiarism. It's not I mean it's not a bad movie. It's like still I said, well I, made. I think it's a be- I think it's a better film than City on Fire. And if he had just admitted it, I would have been all right. Because it is possible to take 
film that was not really all that well made in the first case and make it better. But you can't just say, I want to do this and I'm not going to bother getting the rights. That's not how this operates. I was watching this directed DVD video for the show for an episode of Antisocial. And it's this movie called Gamebox 1.0. Exactly, just plagiarist of The Lawnmower Man. The story or the movie? The movie. Because the, oh the movie has next to nothing to do with the story. I don't know if you've ever read the story. I've, I've read the story. In fact, I believe Stephen King actually sued because they put, based on the story by Stephen King... No, no, he's, he sued to have his name removed from the title because the original yeah. posters were Stephen King's The Lawnmower Man, and he's like, oh, no, you don't. He did the same thing with Pet Cemetery 2. Get my goddamn name off that title. This is not Stephen King's Pet Cemetery 2. Because when I watched Lawnmower Man in theaters, I watched the HBO release, the credits were different because the HBO release said, loosely based on this short story by Stephen King, (laughs) which was not in the theatrical credits. Well, you know what I find really funny going back to The Running Man? Did you ever notice the based on the novel by? It's actually based on the novel by Richard Bachman. You'd think they would have wanted Stephen King's, because he was already outed as Richard Bachman at that point. You'd think they would have wanted to use his name in the advertising. So it's kind of funny that it's based on the novel by Richard Bachman rather than by Stephen King at writing as Richard Bachman. Yeah, I actually have a copy of Thinner by Richard Bachman before Stephen King was outed. Oh no, he he was outed by that. He was outed by the he was right. outed by the time the first four Bachman books came out. He only got The Long Walk, Roadwork, Rage, and The Running Man out before he got outed. Ah. So Thinner, Blaze, and I think there's one more that that were out after people knew he was Bachman. Actually, Blaze is... Do you ever read the um the intro to Different Seasons that Stephen King has? High school, so we're talking like 89, 90, so I don't remember it. But I yes, I've read Different Seasons, yeah. The um In the intro, he's just basically giving a recap of his career. And after he published Carrie, editor asks, well, what other stories do you have? And he's like, well, I have this one about vampires, but I also have this one about Of Mice and Men heist movie. Um, the book, which was called Blaze. So when Blaze came out with Richard Bachman, I'm like, that was not Richard Bachman. He had fun with the Bachman pseudonym later on, which yeah, I, I, I really thought was was really classy of him. That does he, the one thing, and I'm, we're not trying to turn this into Stephen King, but the one thing I liked the most about Richard Bachman is it seemed to free Stephen King up because you'll notice. Three of the four Bachman books, and that's what I'm going to call the four that before he was outed, three of those four are science fiction, something Stephen King had never written prior to that. That I find kind of, it was almost like he was free to try his hand at something people would not let Stephen King do. And I thought that was kind of an interesting thing, that three of those four he chose were science fiction. And that, the, the one, the other one, I believe we're talking about is Rage. Rage. Is real difficult topic, especially now. I mean, not not as yeah. much then, but now, yes. In fact, that's why that one's never been republished. Like he's republished all the other Bachman books as their own copies, but not that one. And then let's go back to plagiarism. It, it, this ties into Stephen King. Do you, okay, you remember when Carrie came out, right? Huge movie. Did you well, ever it came out before I was born? You've read about it, okay? You yes. youngin. I sometimes I sometimes forget I sometimes forget I've, all of you dregs that I drag onto the show are so much younger than I am. I've read the book a few times and I've seen the movie many times. 
after that came out, there was a bunch of different carry knockoffs. And one was so close that whatever the company that released, I don't remember what company released carry, actually tried to sue over the movie Jennifer the Snake Goddess. It's literally Carrie, but her psychic powers allows her to mentally control snakes to kill people. Otherwise, it's Carrie. It's got the dance hall scene. It's got it's got the 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 humiliation scene of of the the tampons, you know, and stuff like that. It's 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 literally let's make Carrie, but we change it to snakes. And you go, wow, just wow. Or uh, another one. Of Adido Asantis, as I believe how his name is pronounced. It's the guy that did The Visitor and Tentacles and all that. Did you ever see the Beyond the Door movies? No, I haven't. They're the exorcist. The spitting the soup, girl tied to the bed, head spinning around. They're the exorcist. Your opinion on this, because you know how there'll be those, like the Turkish Star Wars, but more so than that, that they just remade the same movie on a lower budget for their country. The only part that's plagiaristic about those is the outright use of footage and music from movies that they did not have the rights to. A lot of Bollywood movies are just, let's make this movie has in India. But you also got to realize, for the longest time, there was no such thing as copyright law in Turkey. So, to them, it was not a ripoff. It was just make the movie, because the movie is legally not copyrighted here. Which is why you have a movie like 3 Dev Adam which is Captain America, Mexican wrestler Santo, fighting an evil psychotic Spider-Man that kills people with a switchblade and runs boat motors into their faces. Marvel could not sue them. Marvel tried. And it was made in Turkey, and the Turkish government said, what's this copyright word you keep bringing up? Yeah, because copyright only applies to America. (laughs) Well, I think Turkey has copyright now, but that's the reason you saw all these Turkish movies come out in the 70s was... Copyright didn't apply. They could steal whatever they wanted, and as long as they only released the movie in Turkey, they couldn't be sued over it. Yeah, Italy did the same thing. I mean, look at Joe D'Amato's Ator movies. Those are just. Do I have to? They're not just good take them movies. For example, don't 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 go and watch them. It's like they're not good movies unless the Mystery Science Theater guys are riffing the bottom of cave dwellers. Those are just. Ripoffs. Well, we're getting more into ripoffs more than plagiarism, but those are the. the, the those Conan are definitely, movies. yeah, the, the, those are definitely. I can do Conan and I can do it cheaper and faster. Bruno Matai's Terminator 2. Which is aliens with a Terminator twist, kind of. Sort of. Well, see, no, okay, you just brought up Bruno Matai. Thank you. Look at Robo War. Robo War, they literally took Predator and did the. Let's change just enough to not get sued. Even have you seen the logo? Have you seen the poster for Robo War? Yeah. <laughs> the font is the exact same font as Predator. It's the exact same movie. It's got exact same it's got exact scenes. They were they were firing in all directions. They were confused. And you know, it's got all these exact scenes. And you know, the knife in the chest with the one liner and that movie is Predator with the robot. And you kind of go, that, you're not even dancing on the line of plagiaristic here. That's plagiarism. You just changed literally enough that we can't legally come after you. At least that's the way I look at a movie like that. You know, Strike Commando, lifting full sequences out of Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome and Rambo 2 and things like that. And then look at the 
th- th- those weird Korean cartoons, the ones that lifted whole sequences right out of Tron, yes, and the I entire look and everything, and you go, holy crap, that's the MCP, and what the, how did they not get sued over this? It's even the same sound effects, for God's sake. Uh, to get back to Twilight, things that are stealing from Twilight, I was at Barnes & Noble the other day, and they have a young adult section. It is nothing but two shelves of vampire books. Were you were you there picking up chicks in the young adult section, Alex? No, it's it's right next to the film section. Okay, sure it is, sure it is. Okay, so it's all just vampire books. Literally just vampire books. I mean, there's maybe a couple that aren't just kind of just stuffed in the middle of all the vampire books. That reminds me, I was picking up a prescription the other day, and you know how most pharmacies have that small book section. And I'm just looking through and I'm seeing, you know, oh, there's a sci-fi book and okay, you know, there's, you know, there's the Harlequin crap. And I did see three or four different clearly marketed towards teenager, clearly inspired by Twilight books. I didn't even think anything of it till you just mentioned that. When Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ came out, I would see displays at like Walmart for Bibles and it would have the picture of Passions of the Christ and say, now a major motion picture. Oh, they do that all the time. I mean, yeah. I've got a copy of I Am Legend that's got Charlton Heston on the cover. It's the it's not like an adaptation of the Omega Man. It's literally the original I Am Legend novel by Richard Matheson, but Heston's on the cover because it was clearly released during Omega Man's run in the theater. I've got a copy of Do Android Stream of Electric Sheep that's got the Blade Runner poster on it, but the logo is even in the Blade Runner font, but the logo is Do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Yeah, I have a copy of Stephen King's The Shining with the movie poster as well as shots from the movie in the center of the book, and I have one of those for The Howling as well. Uh, for The Howling, I've got the original novel. I've got the it's it's just it's got the the original cover. I don't have one with like from the from now a major motion picture. Yeah, I have the motion picture one. Cause let's see, I've got Howling one and two, and both of them are I think the original printings because neither of them say anything about the motion picture or anything like that. Such as my uh, my cycle of the werewolf, my cycle of the werewolf has got no mention whatsoever of Silver Bullet, but the version my library has is actually called Silver Bullet and has an intro by Stephen King about the making of Silver Bullet and then the actual cycle of the werewolf story, and so it's weird. I've got uh, Pierre Boulle's Monkey Planet under the title Planet of the Apes with Heston on the cover, but it's the original Pierre Boulle novel translated to English, of course. I never knew that it had an original title before Planet of the Apes because it's only been published as Planet of the Apes since that movie. Well, since then, but yeah, originally it, it was. Uh, well, it's got you know the, I don't speak French, so any French listeners can maybe literally translate it. But I was told that the original translation comes out to Monkey Planet. But then when you get to the whole plagiarism thing, I can't stress this enough. I know I've said it three or four times in the show already. It's industrialized plagiarism, and it's got to stop. You people out there, I don't care if it's your favorite filmmaker ever, you like you Quentin Tarantino apologists, why are you unable to see that he's a thief? All you're doing by doing that is you're encouraging this theft. If they don't get called on it in a big way, they're going to keep doing it. That's the thing. You have to call these people on plagiarism. You can't just go, well, they, his movie's better than the original, so it's not plagiarism. 
Yes, it is. He it's stole still plagiarism, it. Plagiarism, yeah. He stole it for God's sake. That's you people are the reason Hollywood can't come up with anything original because you people won't support anything original because all you want is the same regurgitated shit over and over again. I mean, at least there are some filmmakers out there that even when they're tasked with making a remake, they say, I'm going to do it totally different. Chuck Russell's 1988 The Blob. Other than the fact that it's a blob from space and the in, t in the scene in the movie theater, it's a totally different movie with totally different characters. That's less of a remake than it is literally a reimagining of the same idea, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And actually, I like that 80s version of the blog. I, lo I love that one. With the exception of I still can't get over Kevin Dillon's hair. Maybe in 1988 <laughs> that was cool, but that mullet he he's got, just it's as bad as watching a movie like Monkey Hustle, and you just go, my God, the afros, man. I can't take this movie seriously with those afros. And by the way, for those that are listening, yes, Monkey Hustle is a real black exploitation movie starring Yafet Kodo, for God's sake. Interesting thing here. I Google plagiarism in film. First thing that comes up is somebody is suing Hangover Part 2 for plagiarism. But not Hangover Part 1, which is the same damn yeah, movie. Like, shouldn't they be suing themselves because they just remade their own movie? <laughs> Where can we find Mr. Uh, recording in a bathroom because he sounds like a robot? Jowski. Geekjuicemedia.com And you can find me at 1201beyond.com, 1201beyond at gmail.com. And guess what? I'm affiliated with geekjuicemedia.com as well, with my column, Sanity is Razor Thin, as well as my crappy old It Came From Beyond Midnight's, and some new It Came From Beyond Midnight's, kind of, sort of, if I ever get them edited. Yes. They were shot two years ago, but they'll be new to you people when you actually see them. On that note, I'm going to say good night. Brad might be back next week. Brian might be here next week. I really have no idea at this point with the whole snob movie thing. You know, it's all week to week that Brad lets me know this stuff. So You watch those cinema snob movie vlogs. It's like watching Brad age before your eyes. I think the movie is a little harder than he thinks it was going to yes. be. Yes. Before we go tonight, I also want to remind everybody that we're still running the contest for the 42nd Street Forever DVDs. This is for volumes one through five. It's a brilliant collection of movie trailers, commentary tracks, TV spots, documentaries from the heyday of 42nd Street. You guys are going to love these. All you have to do to enter is send me a letter, not an email. It has to be a letter sent to my house explaining to me why you deserve these DVDs. Got to remember, this is like $100 worth of DVDs here. Probably about 10 hours worth of movie trailers. You got to send me a letter explaining why you deserve these. And the address to send them to is Josh Hadley, 529 West Maple Street, Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin, 54235. And this runs until the end of March, so you guys still have enough time to try and enter the contest. And if you guys want to send anything else, if you guys want to have old DVDs or comic books or magazines or laser discs or anything you want to get rid of, send them to me. If you need the address again, contact me at 1201beyond at gmail.com and I can email you over the address so you can have it proper.
once upon a time at work was a doctor named Frankenstein. Arm by leg and foot by knee, he created a freak of society. From scratch, he built him limb by limb, and then he named his creation right after him. He gave it a brain and he on a heart. People said he was insane, but he had to be smart. How was he to foresee what the future would be when he was dealing with the unknown technology? Now the creature was a simple and his body was whole, but he had yet to achieve his ultimate goal. The final step which he did contrived to use electrical energy to bring him alive. Frankenstein was overcharged with the strength of ten men. A million memorable more than he should have been. The lightning's happened too much juice. You better look out. Frankenstein is loose. Kill! 